beat of drums and trombones jamming out in the street where you can find yourself dancing with some strangers that you meet. Take me back to good old New Orleans. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Queen Macca Conversations. My name is Kendrick Jennings, and I have the privilege of sitting here with Billy Lee of Billy Lee and the Swamp Critters. How are you doing? Hey, how are you doing, Kendra? Thanks doing for well, having thanks. me. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> um, so just to start off, would you mind telling us a bit about yourself? <laughs> I got a couple hours? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, uh, I'm just, I would say the first thing about me is I'm a, a Johnny-come-lately old guy that's new on the block but has been poised for his whole life to come out. And uh, I guess my biggest thing at this point is not to be some big star, but to uh, uh, make up for lost time and be the the brand new old hippie kid on the block, if that makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It's very cool to be able to, you know, get into something later in life like that, you know? Well, my mother was a musician, and uh, I didn't like the way it, you know, she'd come home at night. I didn't have a brother or sisters, or my dad left early, and so mom worked as a in the morning at a job and then took a nap to go out to sing at night. So I was in this house all alone all the time and she'd come in really late and I didn't see her much and I don't know, back then it was a bunch of smoky bars with a bunch of drunk people and I thought, I don't want to be a musician. Hmm. I mean, I said, but then I figured that, you know, I, I was surrounded by musicians and I just absorbed it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it just, I just started becoming just started playing. But really, I wish my mom had kind of helped me a little bit taking lessons or something, but I didn't start till 17. That's hmm. pretty late. Yeah. Really. But I think I had stuff inside me. But when, uh, what really started me was one of my mother's guitar players. He, a uh, pretty inventive guy, Jim Henneke, back in Houston, he invented this new kind of guitar that he made with slanted frets so that hmm. it fit your hands better. <laughs> and he put his thumb on the fretboard. Uh-huh. Not behind the fretboard, opposing the fingers, and he could reach almost halfway up the neck. He had this new; he could play great. But anyway, he he said, uh, "Here's an old classic guitar. It's an old harmony. I still have it." He says, "If I show you to do these things, it's kind of a classical thing, playing mm-hmm. with um, your index finger and the next one, kind of doubling and going up some scales and going, dee, 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 dee. and uh, you can keep the guitar a week from now if you learn mm-hmm. what I teach you." So I did, huh. and. Um, that changed my life. I was extremely shy. Um, but I had this funny thing in me that whenever people look at me, I felt like they're staring at me, and so I've had to do something to entertain them, a little song and dance or something, or make them laugh or funny, and that's, that's uh, I guess that was the beginning of me being an entertainer. I just uh, kind of just was drawn into it. I was just made into it. Hmm. I didn't decide or want to be or anything. It was... As I said, I kind of didn't want to be, mm-hmm. and we struggled very, very poor. I, in holes in my shoes, I I just put some cardboard in my shoes, and I then walk across the puddles of water, and they get soaked. I mean, I yeah. we didn't have anything, and so I don't want the life of a musician because she didn't make much money and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, but I, but at some point, I well, I I got the GI Bill from being in the Navy, came out here where my father was living up in Yorba Linda up north, mm-hmm. and um, went in the Navy and 
got the GI Bill, and I said, well, I had free college. I never thought of going to college. I thought, well, what do you want to learn? Well, music was the first thing. But I thought, no, no, I, I can't make any money with that. And, but I started taking all the GE courses and, and dabbled in music, took some theory and stuff. And, oh, wow, I, the theory really turned me on more than anything. Mm-hmm. I remember back when I started playing when I was 17 back in Texas, I'd listen to my mother's records. She was born in 1920, so she sang in big bands in the 30s, so that's the records that were around. Hmm. And I'd pick out these little tunes, and I'd read, I'd read, I'd stop and play, stop and play on the records and picking out every single note. And I thought, hmm. there's got to be a better system. There must be some key is what the word that right. came to my mind. And I'd heard that phrase before, key. I, and I don't know the key, I don't know... What I'm doing, I was very frustrated, so I just learned these songs. But I played three hours a day, mm-hmm. just because I guess I was just drawn to it. I remember the worst, hardest chord was F, mm-hmm. a barred F. Took me a week to get that one. But then it was exciting. I got a little better each time, and it was exciting. And to this day, my most fun is um, um, kind of learning and practicing, and, and that more than so than getting out there and recording, really. Um, which is kind of unusual. I don't have to force myself. I don't have to have that carrot that I'm sacrificing this practice to be better. No, I, I'd like the process mm-hmm. tremendously. So, so that all I knew was just in me, you know. And I, so I thought, well, what am I going to be in college? And I thought, God, I guess maybe I'll be a musician. I guess I'll, maybe I can teach. Thank God they put me in a classroom, gave me one credit, and I found out I didn't want to teach. Not in a public school system where some people are forced to be in your class. That's not right, the way yeah. I wanted to go. So, the, well, now what am I going to do? You're either a big time musician or a small time. There's not a lot of middle class. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I was so frustrated, but I kept plodding along. I still had about another year to make up my mind. Finally transferred to UCSD. I got my degree in music in 1983 in UCSD. Uh, I switched to Muir College where you could design your own course uh-huh. uh, because before starting out at Grossmont they wanted to prepare you for the big school and you had to take two years in foreign language either Italian or German because you're going to be studying classical music <laughs> I thought hell no I'm not going <laughs> to do that so they let me design my own music course but I had to take the basics to get mm-hmm. the degree you know a lot of harmony and stuff like but that's what I wanted anyway right yeah and then I wanted to write somehow so I tried to take an English course in writing music. They didn't have anything like that. I took a creative class, but that was paragraphs and stuff. Was, so there's a lot of time that was just not, I didn't learn much, to be totally honest there. Right, yeah. And I knew that I could have learned all this stuff by myself, going to the library or hanging out with tutors, uh, good people. But at that time, my vision was, well, I may not have the discipline to go to the library and do that. But if I go to college and they'll force me to take these things and I'll learn, I'll never know what I, what other people know when they have a music degree. But I can tell you now that you can learn that stuff. Mm-hmm. You really can. Um, but yeah, it was good for me. So I, I finally decided what I was going to do as far as money because I knew I had to have, I wasn't going to be a struggling musician and starving and with this big dream of making some, I don't know, big song or something. I just didn't. Mm-hmm. That's pie in the sky a little bit. But right, I wanted yeah. to be involved with it. So what the hell am I going to do? So I decided to get a minor in video production. Huh. 
And that way I thought, well, maybe I can combine the two and keep my music going kind of way. The first time I started regressing in music was when I went to music school. Hmm. The first time I didn't have time to put three hours in on my guitar. And I thought, well, you can only get so good as a guitar player. There's a million great guitar players out there. I'm, I'm good enough to do most things that I want. So, you know, I did like f- finger picking style and playing like Chet Atkins stuff. It's what I really like playing chords and bass and lead all at one time. Mm-hmm. I just really respected that. So I, I did a lot of that. I thought that's that's enough. That's what else can I? It'll take me another year of playing three hours a day to be a little better, to be right, really yeah. good. But I. Uh, and there's so many other. Why do I want to be better? Am I competing against who or whatever? So, so I started working for the school district. And uh, to make a real long story short, I became the producer director of um, city schools, San Diego, twelve thousand employees and everything. I kind of wedged myself in the job. It wasn't official, mm-hmm. but that's in reality what it was. And. Um, I learned a lot about business then, about creating a product that helps mm-hmm. me today. Um, if you do a video, it's out there forever. Mm-hmm. You don't want to make a, anything bad that's out there circulating and you're not standing next to the TV when they push that VCR and they play it and they say, oh, well, the reason that light doesn't look so good is because this happened today. Or No, mm-hmm. you can't do that. you got to make a freaking excellent product and then your reputation grows, and mm-hmm. you'll get more jobs. That's the only way it works. That's the same thing in music. If you're going to record something and have it out there, <laughs> don't <laughs> release it unless you're really happy with it. Mm-hmm. So that uh, that got me started. I got um, uh, Sue Palmer has a band still today. I got together with those guys. They, their name was different. It's called Tobacco Road back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And they um, <clears throat> they helped me put some soundtracks on it and I'd, I'd be out in the audience i hear these bands play and i go god i could do that i could get up there and i remember having that feeling for a long time and this went on for years and years and years and decades really and i was never in a band hmm. i'd play at parties or something like that solo i always loved harmonies i never could find anybody to play harmony with even when i was a kid i tried to play harmonies i've always loved harmonies mm-hmm. um so well, maybe someday you know maybe when i make a little more money or something, I can be more secure or something. Um, finally, my girlfriend at the time said, um, you know, you're embarrassing me. I can see you sitting here, there's a band up there, and you, you kind of w- try and worm your way into getting <laughs> up on stage and doing something. Why don't you start your own band? Hmm. So I finally did. And it wasn't only like, maybe eight, nine years ago. <laughs> I mean, that's not long. Uh, so, you know, so... Um, I'm, I'm part of Gator by the Bay. It's a big festival. Mm-hmm. A f- friend of mine and I started this dance club, and it became basically the Bonton Social Club, and which is part of Gator by the Bay. So I kind of had an in to do something, and he asked me to play a little bit of opening music for this big touring, Grammy-winning band that was coming into town at the Sheraton Hotel. And I know what he was thinking. I'm going to be in a corner just doing some background music Right, yeah. Maybe me by myself, maybe one more person. Well, that was in December, and by May, I had formed a band. <laughs> I said, well, a bass would be good. Let's get me and my fiddle player girlfriend playing. Well, a bass would be good. Well, why don't we add a drum? Oh, yeah, okay. And, and it became you know, a full band. Hmm. And then when he found out, you know, 
I really wasn't thinking of hiring a big, I, you don't have to pay us, just give us a donation. And it was really exciting and uh, kind of terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, we made all the wrong mistakes. We did everything, everything wrong. Huh. Uh, I mean, we rehearsed well. They were good musicians. Mm-hmm. They could ad lib, which was really nice. But I said, well, I need, uh, I just started writing songs. It didn't matter, just quick little tunes, just something people could dance to. They weren't really serious songs. Mm-hmm. But we got up on stage, and I wasn't used to microphones and mixing and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we got up on stage, we're getting ready there, doing the sound check. Everything's feeding back. We couldn't stop the feeding backness. I had, you know, microphones inside of an accordion that was kind of an echo chamber. And so I couldn't hear myself in, in monitors and stuff. I thought, this is horrifying. I can't hear my voice. Oh, this is going to be horrible. I could barely, barely kind of hear. And so he said, okay, here we go. And ladies and gentlemen, now we have Billy Lee and the Swamp Critter, some name we made out. And then, boom, the lights went off. Uh-oh. <laughs> we couldn't see all my notes in front of me. It was just absolutely, and I was shaking. It was just, and there's a huge ballroom staring at us, our first gig. Mm-hmm. It was awful. <laughs> Everything was horrible. So, folks out there, <laughs> I would say to you, just get out there. There's things you, you can't learn in school, mm-hmm. just, and, and, but um, get out there and start. maybe start small with microphones and recording things, and then um, go for it. And um, then once you get it down a little bit, you know, relax. You, the point is to get up to a point where you can really relax and be yourself. I sounded terrible in my voice, my plane, I was, my hands were shaking. I mean, you know, <laughs> I knew if they saw what, uh, me in my normal state, they might like it, but um, I was stiff as in for a year. I, 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 was, I was just stiff. Mm-hmm. I was just, um, and people were painfully telling me. It was like, God, it was painful to watch me. I was just, I was just so serious and staring at my fingers. And I'm the leader of a band and I've never even been in a band before, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm playing with some of these veteran guys, you know. They're, mm-hmm. I can know what that, I can feel. I roll on their eyes, you know. But I was a leader because they were my songs, and I had a direction I wanted to go to, mm-hmm. Zydeco kind of music. And this when I first started out, and and um, I knew I was a dance teacher, so I knew the tempos, and I so I was the leader. You know, and I mm-hmm. went out there and beat the bushes to get gigs and stuff like that. So they were fine to be followers. They were leaders in their own bands. And they mm-hmm. said, just, um, we know what it's like. I know it's not easy. Just, that's the hat we're wearing now. We want you to lead. Just be decisive. Tell us, make, make, you know, we want to, we don't want to be, we want to know what to do. We don't want to sit around deciding, you know, just, and we'll just play what you want. Right. Yeah. And so um, that was good. And I decided to call it Billy Lee. And the swamp critter, so everybody would know I had the final word. Mm-hmm. So we wouldn't be sitting around trying to hold hands and kumbaya on all complete consensus before we could mm-hmm. make any tiny decision on artistic development. That, so I would advise people maybe maybe to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that or, or not, but that was work work, work for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you mentioned Zydeco, um, yeah. which is an, inter- an interesting style that I think most people probably... They hear that and they don't know what that is. So how would you how would you describe in your yeah. words what Zydeco is? Um, Zydeco is very monotonous, and if you hear it, you can check it out on YouTube. It's it's not just to listen to; it's a dance music. Mm-hmm. It's from Louisiana. 
There's KJ music and there's Zydeco. And Zydeco's, I would say, you know, this is rural music back in the bio stuff. Mm -hmm. Cajun is more um, boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick, like, uh, let's see. A little country, yeah, they're going, ah, they're kind of nasally. Mm -hmm. They started that. I'm getting off the subject, but this will lead into Zydeco. Back then in the 40s and the 50s, they didn't have too good amplification way back in the sticks. Mm -hmm. So they chose instruments that were the loudest. Right, yeah. A scrub board, accordions were really loud, fiddles were pretty loud. They're more important than guitars. And um, and they had the yell really loud to be the, playing these ballrooms, mm -hmm. really noisy without any amplification. So they ended up singing at the top of their range and and a little nasier, nasal is uh, projects more than... <sighs> right, yeah, because uh, we Breathy, more. breathy, you know, you, it puts mm -hmm. it out there. So that's why they... Oh, baby, come down, 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 down. You know, so that's how they got into all that. Mm -hmm. Well, there's the African-American Creole folks back there that were more bluesy. They picked up the same thing. They sang in Cajun French, mm -hmm. but they was more, with the African tradition, more of syncopated. Uh-huh. It was like... More of a... And so that's the... In Zydeco, the word comes, it's a French word... There's a, a bean, a snappy bean. It's kind of a hot, spicy bean. Mm -hmm. It's called haricot, H-A-R-I-C-O-T. Mm -hmm. You don't pronounce a T in French. And the word before it is les, mm -hmm. les haricot. Well, when you put those two words together and you say them fast over and over, it becomes les zarico. Hmm. Zarico. So it became zarico. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And um, in their language, by the way, the French language back there, is a Creole, and then and in, in in linguistics, which I studied at uh, San Diego State, a Creole is two languages coming together and forming their own language. Mm -hmm. So that's what this is. Yes. You know, you, you need I think a generation or two of people just speaking just that. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, Zydeco music. A lot, a lot of Zydeco music has a scrub board in it, mm -hmm. um, and. Uh, the first scrub board was made by Clifton Chenier. Mm -hmm. uh, he's the king of Zydeco. I mean, the undisputed king of Zydeco. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of other blues people that call themselves this or the godfather of or the father of or the aunt and uncle of whatever. Right. But they're kind of made up terms, and if nobody disputes them, maybe there's two or three, but this is undisputed. Everybody knows. Mm -hmm. It just really is. Clifton Chenier, and he made the first. He worked in a shipyard in 1948. He recorded the first Zydeco album mm -hmm. in Houston, Texas. It's a lot of Zydeco in Southeast Texas. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't realize that. Right, yeah. Because it's such a big town and people from Lafayette and on the border would cross over and they'd start working and they'd end up staying there and they'd have extended families back and forth. And mm -hmm. There's like seven Zydeco clubs in Houston. Hmm. Uh so that's Zydeco, I guess you could say. And oh, I guess one more thing about Zydeco. There's about three different Zydeco beats. Um, um, it's important that the Zydeco, uh, that the kick drum and the bass sink in together where the bass will have a double double bass and a single snare. It'd be like, mm -hmm. like, that's a common Zydeco hit. Mm -hmm. Another Zydeco hit is a double bass and a single snare, but it's, 
And then there's kind of a second line parade. It's more bucket to bucket to bucket. That kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So those are the main main beats. So I had to go in Louisiana music. That's pretty interesting. So you mentioned um, uh, Texas. You're originally from Texas, is that right? Yeah, uh, outskirts of Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's pretty close to Louisiana. So that's why you're kind of there's a lot of overlap between the. Oh, there's a lot. There's um, there's a Zydeco club a couple blocks from my house, a barbecue place, uh, mm-hmm. and. Um, that got in me in my system as uh, I listened to the black channels of the gospel churches too. Mm-hmm. And there's an area there called uh, the Golden Triangle. It's Houston, Orange, and Port Arthur. It's like the border of uh, Louisiana and Texas. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the money was there. A lot of the oil men had money that stayed around that area for some reason. And so mm-hmm. the Texas bluesmen and the Louisiana Cajun folks would come together. And they mm-hmm. form kind of a hybrid uh, sound. Interesting. Yeah. Golden Triangle. Yeah. So I was raised in the Golden Triangle. It's hmm. pretty cool. Yeah. Now you've talked a lot about your experience with like playing guitar. That was your first instrument, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but in, in your band currently, you play accordion most of the time. Is that right? Yeah. I got into that because I was part of this um, Cajun dance club, mm-hmm. you know, and then I, and I thought, well, they asked me to play at that opening of that band that I told you about. Mm-hmm. Like, and I had to have, you can't have a Cajun or a Zydeco band without an accordion. Right. So I thought, well, you know, I, I'd rather learn another instrument than rather spend a bunch of time being a super expert on this one instrument. Mm-hmm. And I love the sound of the accordion. Really mm-hmm. got into it. I still do. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. wonderful. Yeah, I've always found, because I'm a multi-instrumentalist as well, I found that learning more instruments is a lot more fun than getting really good at one. And I think learning more instruments can also help you get better at every other instrument that you know because you have more experience to apply to it. Absolutely broadens your, mm-hmm. your, your mind. Look at it from the same thing in music in general from different angles. Right, yeah. Speaking of uh, Zydeco music, um, are there any big influences that you've had um, from Zydeco musicians? From Zydeco, yeah. I ended up playing with a lot of them, actually, because mm-hmm. um, it's funny. You go back there, Louisiana, mm-hmm. and they're kind of big stars around the country mm-hmm. um but back there i guess people know them so well they're they're it's like a lot of bands you know mm-hmm. they're, they're 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 better known somewhere else than they are in their hometown so you can go mm-hmm. up to them and say hey and you can play with them and and uh, i played with uh Buzu chavez at the rock and bowl rock and bowl is such a cool place it's a bowling alley in new orleans that mm-hmm. has music and dance and god i just um i wrote a song about it actually i call old new orleans uh, Anybody go there, make sure you go to the Rock and Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, so Boozo Chavez was a big influence on me. We went out to his farm and hung out with him out there, and uh, he does barbecue parties and stuff. There's Keith Frank. and um, I wouldn't say Buckwheat Zotico. He's got mm-hmm. more mainstreams. Not I drifted away from the real hardcore Zotico stuff. Mm-hmm. There's old school Zydeco, and then new school Zydeco. Every 10 years, there's a new nouveau Zydeco, and then there's an urban Zydeco. It's gotten quite uh, hip-hoppy, mm-hmm. especially around, around the Houston urban area. There's a song that a lot of people, your listeners may, may have heard of called, it's a line dance called Cupid Shuffle. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of the Cupid Shuffle? I haven't. Very popular, mm-hmm. and people think it's a rap song. It sounds kind of rappy, mm-hmm. big. 
Um, but it's a Zadigo guy. And if you listen to the very first phrase, he goes, some people say, see, if I remember, it may not be exactly right, but it goes, some people say, I'm a rapper, but I say no. I'm just trying to get, make some, do me some Zydeco's. To the right, to the right, to the right, to the right, to the left, to the left. And they made this oh, little yeah. dance. You mm-hmm. know that song? Yeah. Mm-hmm. To the left, to the left. Now shift, now shift, now work it on yourself, turning on yourself. And the, the Cupid shuffle. Okay, so that, yeah. So that's a Zydeco artist. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, I never, never realized that. Because that, I've heard that song a bunch of times, but you know, never really associated it with Zydeco or anything. You know? That's why he put that phrase in the very beginning mm-hmm. to set it straight. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so, what's your writing process generally? Do you write by yourself, or do you write with? Yeah, I write by myself. I have. I've always had a, a dream. Been a dreamer and staring out the window, and and, and the teacher would say, "Billy, oh yeah, yeah." And I'm, so I have this. I don't have to live life to go write something mm-hmm. about it. Thank God. You know, <laughs> another heartbreak. No, I just imagine everything, and I love mm-hmm. it. And I, I guess my head is so full of ideas. I just have it's. It's not like I have a writer's block and I have to create something. I have to mm-hmm. take all these ideas and just narrow them down. Huh. And uh, it's so enjoyable for me that I just haven't really asked anybody, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I turn into a rut like a writer's block where people have then maybe a good time to collaborate. Mm-hmm. But right now I just, I, I like it a lot. And the, there's so many, like the rest of my life, I think there's plenty to write about because there's so many ways to approach it, so many types of songs. Um. You know, there's um, some people write words and they put music to it. Some do it vice versa. Mm-hmm. I basically try and do it at the same time. Uh-huh. And sometimes you write for other people. Sometimes you write for yourself. Um, I got commissioned to write a song for Six Flags. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and they gave me some pointers. They wanted about six rides. They wanted me to mention certain rides. Mm-hmm. And don't mention hurricane drinks for some reason. Huh. But that was about all. But um, it was really successful. They use it in a play, and uh, they put it on, on a loop a bunch of times a day. Huh. It's the largest theme park in the world, mm-hmm. 16 uh, theme parks. Wow. And um, they use it in a play, uh, in, a, in a march, mm-hmm. a parade, um, twice a day with a head singer singing the song and 20 choreographed dancers dancing wow. to it. <laughs> Come on down to Six Flags. Bring your papa too. Grab the kids and put them in the car. There's so much we can do. We're going to ride the raging Cajun. It's really going to spin you around. Rocking and rolling and spinning around. 360 degrees to the ground. So I did that one for them. And, but even when I write, I guess for myself, I it's always to entertain people. Mm-hmm. I think the most important thing, I think, and why I'm, it's just natural for me is I, I see myself as a servant. Mm-hmm. Um, people are going to come, lay money down, or make an effort to come out to see. It's my obligation and duty and pleasure to serve them. That's the main thing. It's not about me. Right, yeah. Um, and I think if you keep that in mind, that's that's a good good way, good way to remember. I like to use my gut more than anything else mm-hmm. as a final decision. I'm, I know music, and I, I'm surrounded by people. Some of them, these old guys, say, "Oh, you can't do it that way." And I, uh-uh, I if it feels mm-hmm. good, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's counter to music, I 
my, you know, I learned to play by ear first. And I, I read, but I, I read very slow. Mm-hmm. And I, but I'm knowledgeable about, you know, typical ways of supposed to go about this music. But um, the end result is the very end. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say, I hear what you say, but <laughs> my gut says do that. Right, yeah. That's the end point in, in writing. And then you say, well, what is the song for? Who's it for? What's it about? And uh, well, that's what I, I guess that's my, my approach. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how it's like, you know, that everyone has a different process, but, you know, whatever works, works. Yeah, there's so many different ways. Some people write for movies. I mean, it's a job. They have a skill, you know. Uh, what's your favorite and least favorite part about being a musician? Uh, trying to get gigs. Mm-hmm. I can't stand selling myself. Mm-hmm. I could sell you or somebody else much easier than me. I just mm-hmm. can't stand it. But uh, you have to. Mm-hmm. So so the take some of the pain out, but I try and make a good website and some good um, footage, mm-hmm. some evidence. That's where you help me. <laughs> Thank you very much. Of course. And uh, so I can just point to that, you know, and say, you know, I'll say, hey, go take a look at that. You know, mm-hmm. this is what we do, you know. The best part is actually not performing. Huh. That can be a lot of work. And uh, sometimes I don't feel like it, mm-hmm. but you got to have put that smiley face on or whatever uh, and entertain, mm-hmm. whether you have a cold or whether you want to get up and do it or not. Mm-hmm. And all the setup and the breakdown, which you, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, not to say I don't enjoy it. There's right. a, there, I, 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 what I enjoy most is uh, singing harmony with people in group and being mm-hmm. surrounded by really good musicians and we're really putting on a really good, I can tell, we're in a groove and it's a really good show. It's a, mm-hmm. That's just, there's nothing more fun in the world. It's not so much what the audience thinks about me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've trained myself not to worry too much about that. I figure mm-hmm. I'm going to... I'm going to play what I like. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to write what I like. And if I'm having a good time, somebody else is going to have a good time. Mm-hmm. I'm not a, some alien or something. And then the people that don't like your music won't come. Right. Pe- yeah. People that do will. And then you're having a good time. It's not like I try to get away from this, the carrot thing. Do mm-hmm. sacrifice now for later. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the journey while you're on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems to me like if, you, if you're enjoying what you're playing, then it's going to be a lot more enjoyable to everyone else instead of trying to force yourself to do something that you don't want to do and then trying to get everyone else to like it, you know? Exactly. And then uh, you're doing, you're living your life, you know? You look back at the end of your life and go, well, I had a one great big time. I never <laughs> made it to the big time, but I had a lot of good fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Sometimes the big time is not that fun anyway. Right. <laughs> and uh, and there's, I don't ever think about money. I never dream about any of that. I mean, God, even those guys that are up there, they're up there for a little while. They don't always stay up there. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. tough, tough life. Yeah. But I'm not burnt out on touring because we just started that. And because um, I'm fresh, I'm kind of new mm-hmm. in this game. I, mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah. Maybe I won't want to do it after a while, but get to see these other countries and everything. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah. And it's neat when you go to other countries because you are you can be bigger mm-hmm. <laughs> over there because you're from somewhere else, you know. Mm-hmm. And I kind of say, well, yeah, well, I was raised in Texas, and we do. I kind of specify it for festivals and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's hard getting jobs when you, like in a club locally, if you say, what kind of music do you want? I go, uh, original? They go, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm, no, thank you. 
Yeah. Or you try, but they try and say, well, what what kind of music? So you still you're still forced to have be a kind, right? Yeah, they, they want to categorize everything and organize yeah, it's, it. It's a whole different and harder uh, road when you're um, making your own business. It's easier when you're playing other people's music that people know. Then mm-hmm. they can hire in these clubs a lot easier. You know, okay, we'll do you know '70s music or or whatever. Mm-hmm. And some of the most successful bands are tribute bands. Mm-hmm. And speaking of trying to get gigs and like kind of categorizing stuff, um, your band actually goes by two different names. So you want to talk a little bit about? We about have three that? now. Oh, three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by the way, here's a little promo, if you will, for mm-hmm. the third name. Uh, it's um, Art Walk is going to happen. <sighs> Let me see. On which which is Sunday. May 1st or April 30th? Um, uh, well, it's the whole weekend. Our, April 30th is Saturday, so May yeah, 1st is w- Sunday. Yeah, so we'll be there Sunday. And they're going to block off the street and have several stages. Mm-hmm. Our band will be there uh, at 11 o'clock in the morning, and it's going to be called Billy Lee's um, Gulf Coast Review. Huh. That incorporates the other bands. Mm-hmm. The other bands was Billy Lee and the Swamp Critters, kind of Cajun Zadigoe stuff. Mm-hmm. And Billy Lee and the Juke Tones is more New Orleans jazz, mm-hmm. vintage jazz, 1910, 20, 30, 40, and all this stuff. And the Gulf Coast Review lets me do anything that's down there. <laughs> and we can do 50s doo-wop and stuff. We like, I like to throw huh. some of that in there. Um, and we got horns and stuff like that. It's kind of mm-hmm. jazzy. So that's what we'll be playing. It's pretty interesting. So... So you have different names for the same group of people, essentially, just for, just to kind of advertise yourself in a different way. Yeah, um, I don't want to be a jack of all trades. Just mm-hmm. yeah, we do everything. People don't have an idea what that is. Right. So yeah. you want to be specific. Mm-hmm. I would think more people understand. If they don't know you, you know, they want to know. Uh, it'll help them come out if they have some kind of vision of what you are. Mm-hmm. So that that uh, we'll see how that works. It's kind of a, a new thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your favorite song to perform and why? Uh, that's a good question because I don't have a favorite song. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess uh, when I do an original song and it really touches someone, mm-hmm. people have come up to me and just looked at me like, oh, like tears in their eyes. Mm-hmm. They, can, they touch their heart and go, oh, man, you got me. I know. It. So, and w- one song that's called Lorraine, mm-hmm. and it's a sad song. And someone bought our CD uh, and we played a week ago and said, will you do Lorraine? But it was a Mardi Gras party. And, mm-hmm. and Lorraine's a sad song. So yeah. I said, I'm sorry, I can't do that one today. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't always like doing that one because it's a sad song and this, right, yeah. not all my music is about reality. Mm-hmm. I'll take a reality idea, but I'll change it according to whatever makes it a good song. I'll throw in some, fabricate some, something that's not real, mm-hmm. but it helps with the storyline. But that one's kind of real. Mm-hmm. And, uh, sometimes I cry when I sing it. So it's like, um, not always in the mood. Um, you know. All right. Well, thank you so much for... Uh, sitting down and interviewing with me. Um, yeah. Appreciate it. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. Any questions, just you know, check out our website, um, www.theswampcritters.com. And forgive me for the shameful plug. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much. Hey, thanks, Kendrick. Lorraine, I'm right here with you. But Lorraine, you just don't see.